Good morning, and welcome to Inio This is Jonathan Frick from Inio, the manager of Global Mobility, and today we get to talk about visa and immigration. This is a topic that seems to permeate every aspect of the mobility industry, and between this and tax, you can pretty much guarantee that one of them will be discussed at every mobility event that you attend. This right here is why I really enjoy doing this podcast, because I get to talk about topics like visa and immigration that I don't get to deep dive into on a regular basis in my day job. My guest today is a true mobility and immigration pro. Sai Kumar is an HR professional with over 17 years of experience spanning HR, immigration, and travel management. With a bachelor's in business administration and diploma in travel management, he started his career with travel management companies and moved on to manage corporate travel for the leading IT firm. After a few years of leading the function, he developed passion for immigration, which led him to his current position of leading the international mobility for the UK and Ireland for a leading digital transformation company based in London. I hope you enjoy this candid and straightforward conversation regarding the immigration arena today, as well as insights into where we believe it could be moving. Good morning. Uh, this is Jonathan Freck. I'm here with Sai Kumar Rajesakaman. And we're going to be talking about visa and immigration today. It's a topic that gets discussed at every conference that I go to. And uh, it's definitely a hot topic now with all the countries doing and saying what they do. So uh, thank you, Sai, for joining us today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Before we get into the visa and immigration, would you mind just kind of giving a little background of how you came to global mobility and uh, how you ended up specifically in the visa and immigration role for global mobility? Hi, Jonathan. Uh, first, let me thank you for inviting me to this podcast, and uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to be a part of this conversation. Um, I started my career in travel industry working for travel management companies and ended up in a corporate travel management role uh, in a few years. Um, with the rise of low-cost carriers and you know the internet becoming a go-to place for travel booking, um, I realized the limited scope of my career progression in my role. So in pursuit of my career progression, I was considering various options to make that big change. And um, having worked closely with the in-house immigration teams as part of my role, I realized that the immigration had a good scope for growth and started looking into the options. So after a long search, um, interestingly, I landed up in a role which had both travel and uh, global uh, immigration management, which uh, eventually has progressed into a full scope of managing immigration and compliance. Okay, great. Yeah, it, it seems like more and more the business travelers seem to be merging into the global mobility role um, because we have the expertise in the payroll and the visa and immigration and so many of the other aspects that are going to be necessary in order to manage the business traveler population. So that seems like a very natural progression. So let me ask you a question because my background is a little bit more tax heavy, not visa immigration. So this is a little bit of an educational opportunity for me. What are the biggest changes that you've seen in visa immigration arena in the last ten years? Say just uh, as far as your, your t- population, so you can go even country specific. If there have been countries that have been a lot easier to get into that are now harder, but what have you seen change in the last ten years? In the last 10 years, I think there's been a lot of changes in the immigration arena and uh, even in the population, uh, you know, moving across the globe. So it used to be in pockets between different continents, um, you know, from one continent to another. But right now, the the move is completely, you know, scattered. So people can move anywhere across the globe. That somewhat, uh, you know, makes a world really smaller. So people are really interested to 
uh, take up um, any opportunity that they, they that would give them an exposure and experience to move uh, anywhere and any part of the world. Um, so that's that's been a great shift in the mindset of the assignees. Uh, and in terms of immigration, um, there, there have been a lot of changes to start with. UK had uh, moved from their traditional legacy work permit system to a points based a points based tier system. Um, which is one of the key notable ones, and we are at the you know ten ten year anniversary this year. Um, Singapore has been increasing their efforts to promote the local resident uh, uh, labour market. Eventually, they they have um, you know slowly tightened the process, where it now it is quite a challenge to get people on board in Singapore, where uh, the companies are uh, taking much more efforts uh, to consider the local hiring. As the, as the first option, and um, you know, bringing in expatriates uh, has, has become the, the least preferred one. And there has also been other changes globally um, in terms of the way the immigration is being looked upon, with, with the increase in the um, the political situations and the um, migrant population, uh, you know, statistics. It's getting really um, you know tough to bring in more people in more compliant manner. Um, again, uh, it, it's all to contribute with the political um, and the, the various situations, um, the practical situations currently across the globe. You mentioned for the United Kingdom in particular, they moved to a points-based system. I'm not very familiar with that. Can you kind of give us a, a foundational explanation of how the point system works? Absolutely. So uh, United Kingdom used to have the regular work permit system where um, the employee who needs to move to the UK, non-EU nationals, basically will have to file an application. The uh, employers will file an application with the UK visas and immigration, that's why I call this home office, basically. Um, So we used to file an application with them where they used to issue a paper-style work permit based on the position that's been uh, applied for, which could again be an intra-company transfer or it could be a local employment, basically. So they completely moved uh, to a, a points-based system where they were scoring points again each attributes of the position, the language requirements, um, you know, the qualification requirements. So each requirement is being awarded a, a certain level of points and only if you meet the basic, um, you know, uh, threshold in terms of the points, you would be granted a visa. So this was more, um, you know, simplified. The process was much quicker when compared to other countries and in, in, when they moved to this points-based system. And it was, um, I, I still see this a bit easier when we come into intra-company transfers where the turnaround times are much more predictable, um, depending upon where the employees come from. Uh, in terms of the visa application process, provided you also have more, um, you know, options in terms of getting premium processing done, which is much quicker, which usually um, uh, supports the business requirements, which comes with the very um, less lead time. Uh, so this is a, a huge shift, but this shift came with a lot of uh, responsibility on the employer side to make sure they maintain the uh, records as per the sponsorship requirements. A sponsor license had to be obtained um, in order to sponsor employees. So this this was the key um, you know change uh, that shifted the entire immigration framework of UK, and uh, it has been running successfully so far with um, some of uh, the challenges in terms of 
getting the allocations, which which always um, you know is there in terms of the quota levels that's applicable uh, for a tier two general. So they also moved into different tier categories of visas under which you know uh, different uh, categories of people can be brought in based on the occupations and and the purpose of their um, you know uh, assignment in the UK. Now you're based in the UK, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So probably the majority of your, your visa and immigration statuses you deal with are in the UK, and so you'd have a really good firm grasp on this. Do you, do you think there's a bias associated with it, that if you're coming from a specific country that it's going to be easier, or um, if they have a certain background it's going to be easier? Just kind of curious. Uh, honestly, um, I don't feel there is a bias, uh, actually speaking. But um, having said that, there are certain concessions, especially uh, in terms of the language requirement. So mm-hmm. if you come from a native English-speaking country, you don't need to um, you know, undergo an IELTS examination to prove your language skills. Or there are certain um, you know, recognized university outside of uh, the UK. If you've uh, completed your degree, um, basic degree course um, in, with medium of instruction as English, you can get that certified by UK Merit to be equivalent to confirm your language uh, proficiency in English. So that's that's a bit of an example where we have a concession, but mm-hmm. I um, don't see a bias as such because it's just the processing timelines that varies, and sure. um, you know, which could be um, you know for anyone, you know, depending on where they come from. It it, it again has other uh, factors such as the workload of the local con- consulate or the um, you know the situations uh, that is prevailing and various other aspects to it so I, I really don't see a kind of bias over there. Okay do, and do, do you see this process as being encouraging to um, having foreign nationals come into the United Kingdom or do you think it's a discouragement or do you think it's neutral because I'm just asking because in the United States we have we're very partisan over here and that there are some people that say keep everybody out and then there's some people that say bring as many people in so um, do you think this process leans in one direction or another or do you think it's just a, a an efficiency increaser like you were talking about I don't have to compare uh, you know uh other countries basically so I do also deal with the Republic of Ireland Mm -hmm. Um, so I see a huge difference in terms of the processing timeline basically so that's that's a huge uh, difference but I think mostly it is balancing both basically it's not that um, there's a kind of um, you know uh, keeping people away from not getting into the UK uh, you know to displace um, uh, the local labor market, basically, it's a balance between both. Though there will be always an inherent challenges uh, depending upon various situations. It has proved efficient when compared to um, uh, for a few countries uh, that we are dealing with at the moment, especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It, it's always um, been a challenge getting people on board or rather for somebody to settle and have long-term plans. It's not easy for um, you to plan for the next 10 or 20 years, basically, because that's that's what it takes for somebody to settle in the U.S. Mm. and obtain a green card. Right. Well, th- thanks for giving me a little background on that. That's, uh, like I said, not my background, and so it's very interesting to learn more about it. But we talked about the biggest change we've seen in the last 10 years. Can you give us a brief overview of what we're facing right now? And once again, if we want to be country-specific, we can. I know some of the ones that are uh, on... Uh, 
the radar over here, US, Australia, China, and uh, I'm sure you might be even sick of hearing about it, but Brexit. So what are we facing right now as a global mobility industry for visa and immigration that, um, and just kind of explain it in a way that people like me who really don't have a visa and immigration background might be able to understand it a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know Brexit has been the uh, word that we have been hearing for the last couple of years, basically, uh, when, since we had this referendum. Um, so I thought uh, that would be the best thing to start with. And again, U.S. also follows the suit depending upon the based based on the current situation with um, you know Trump's government. Um, so Brexit has been a big challenge for the global mobility uh, that we're facing right now. With so much of uncertainty still remaining with Brexit, it is a great challenge um, that we have ever had. Both the employers and employers are hugely impacted based on the uncertainties uh, with the deal and no deal situation. So it, it gets to a point where uh, we as an immigration professional get some sort of clarity as in what's going to happen and it changes very soon. So this causes a lot of stress to both the employees and also uh, poses a challenge their employers to support them. So we've, we've had um, a lot of um, you know uncertainties coming in uh, in the way how the EU nationals are going to be treated uh, when when Britain exits uh, the EU. So um, that's that's where we got a bit of clarity in terms of EU settlement scheme. Um, and I think in the last few months uh, we we were able to get more clarity in terms of how the scheme is going to work. Um, how the rights of the EU nationals in uh, in the UK will be protected through the scheme, and how people can go ahead and get this done. This is more, um, you know, of a simplified process. So the so aim of the UK Home, Home Office is to make sure that it is not, um, you know, um, uh, difficult for anyone to apply. So they they will be able to do it on their own. It is also being brought into various forms, basically, either you can go through a, a traditional method of applying to the Home Office using a paper form, or you can still use the digital mode, which covers most of um, you know the population. This, again, would be as simple as um, you know applying for a passport. So that was the aim that we have been hearing from people, that this, this has to be more simple for people to apply, not uh, a, a huge cumbersome process. Hmm. So um, Brexit as such, again, having known this situation, um, we have been hearing in the news as in um, what, what's going to happen again, whether it's going to be a deal or a no deal situation. So this, uh, you know, uncertainty is a huge challenge that we're facing at the moment. So which I think in the last uh, decade, we've never had such scenarios, um, you know, in the past. Coming out to the U.S., um, U.S., again, there's a lot of uncertainties to people um, in terms of the current, uh, you know, government. So there's been a lot of restrictive regulations that have been brought into place, which also brings to the question as they're, um, you know, they are more uh, against, you know, immigration basically, which also, you know, pro-protecting the American labor market. Wherein that poses a lot of challenge, especially for people who are currently on an assignment or currently having uh, to set up their residence in the U.S. So it's, it's, it's already difficult in the U.S. in terms of immigration framework um, that it takes ages for somebody to, you know, get a green card and, you know, eventually call U.S. as their home. All the more, all these changes and, you know, the restrictive regulations that are going to come into play since Trump's uh, government 
uh, has taken over, this is this is becoming a huge challenge um, in planning and getting uh, you know uh, people into the U.S. for work purposes. You keep mentioning uncertainty over and over again, and I agree that that's what I keep hearing as well. They we just don't have the answers, and so it's hard to make plans. What do you think the global mobility industry can do to try to make plans, or at least to get some? Um, fail-safes in place during this uncertainty to continue moving forward because we can't stop moving just because we don't have the answers, right? Absolutely. Um, the best thing that we mobility professionals can do is to you know, keep on top of these changes um, and see uh, how best we can analyze this impact proactively and start engaging with the business and the employees. So I think the business and the employees are the key here um, because as you mentioned, these changes keep happening and the uncertainty is always there. Um, so it's, it's keeping on top of these changes and engaging with the business, engaging with employees, and uh, making, ensure that they feel really supported. So this is where, again, mobility professionals make the difference of um, you know, uh, sharing this knowledge uh, as, as the changes come by, um, uh, though there is a level of uncertainty always involved in this. You mentioned that stay on top of these changes, which means you need a data source. Do you have a suggestion as far as different sources of information related to changes in visa and immigration that you might refer to our listeners that they can use on a regular basis? Uh, would you suggest they're a visa and immigration provider, or do you have publications that you revert, review on a regular basis as well? Yeah, that's indeed a great question. I rely upon uh, the immigration service providers basically because it's not easy to keep on top of this information for various countries. So it is always better to rely on a, a, a best source of information, which would be the immigration service providers. And again, you could sign up for a lot of uh, you know updates that we get from the relevant uh, government authorities, like UK visas immigration um, had this um, you know set up a, a, an update service, which you can sign up for as and when, you know, the changes in terms of Brexit or if there is any update in terms of the schemes and everything is, is directly delivered to your email. So that's the best way for the mobility professionals to keep in touch. And uh, you would always need, um, you know, a reliable source of advice uh, in terms of uh, interpreting certain uh, aspects because it's, it's not easy um, in terms of interpreting how um, these updates could impact, so it's always better to have uh, that source of uh, you know advice, which would be the immigration service providers. Talking about the service providers a little bit more, I know there's sometimes a communication disconnect between the service providers and the corporate. So, uh, from your perspective, what do you think the service providers can do to step up and really help the mobility industry, help the corporate entities, help the employees that are moving um, in this uncertain time, but also just on an ongoing basis as well. Service providers as such, um, during these difficult uh, situations, it's, it's very important that they are proactive uh, in engaging with their clients. And uh, as and when these changes happen, they have to actively start um, you know, assessing its impact and uh, start at an early stage um, so that they can uh, support their clients and start engaging with them on an uh, you know ongoing basis. It's not just going to stop with uh, you know uh, any change happening. So there has to be a constant connect um, with the, uh, understanding the client requirements. 
So in the recent past, I've seen, um, you know, there is a bit of a lag there uh, because most of the times the, the rules and regulations are seen in shades of black and white. And, you know, uh, the uh, resulting advice may not provide exactly the solution what the client is looking for. So that is an area where service providers especially have to really focus on and look at how a solution can be delivered rather than just providing advice with black and white you know, in terms of the regulation. And as a mobility industry, not just looking at the service providers, but the corporate entities, the mobility professionals, the the whole nine yards, if you will, um, how can we improve our processes? Because I feel like we kind of just take it as it is and don't really put in the effort in order to improve it. Um, is, Is there any steps that you think that we can take as an industry in order to keep this forward. And I know I'm giving you a soapbox here, so whatever you want to say at this point is free game, okay? I just want to give a few points, basically. I would say proactively manage any kind of risks or exposure that is there, be it with your clients, um, or again, from a mobility professional perspective, be it with with your business. And offering that business solution is uh, the, the next key thing to improve the process. Uh, because most of the times uh, immigration is seen as a roadblock uh, by the business uh, to you know get people around. So we have to be more offering more solutions, business solutions, than you know just sticking on to um, the, the rules and regulations and the repercussions of not following that. So we need to balance both. And uh, it, it is important because. Um, immigration, again, um, in terms of compliance, it is going to be paramount in the long run. Uh, but how are we balancing that and offering the solutions to the business matters. And uh, continuous upgrade of the technology solutions is also going to play a key role um, because the, of the varying um, you know, regulatory requirements for different countries, it becomes really complex to manage uh, the mobility programs. Um, and the uh, level of exposure and tracking that is required to make sure that um, the, the risks are minimized. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That's good advice. It's practical and it's applicable as well. So uh, it's always good to hear it firsthand as far as what people are seeing. It can be big enhancements, big wins for our industry. I want to thank you for your time today. This was a really great conversation. It's really educational to me because I don't deal with this stuff much at all. All I know is that it's really important. So thank you for shedding light on why it's important. Um, And uh, I'm looking forward to talking with you about it in a little bit. I'm sure we'll get some catch up sometime in the near future as to what's changed and what, because it's ever is changing, right? So, well, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I love the insights from Sai about immigration, that it was not just U.S. focused. We hear a lot about the U.S., But this is not U.S. mobility, this is globe mobility, and the approach to monitoring and gating entry into any country is relevant to us. The concept of the points approach in the U.K. seems like something that can be reviewed and learned from by many countries, and if we know one thing, it is that visa immigration can be slow and unpredictable. Using a process that's similar to the U.K. might be able to speed up and make it a little less unpredictable going forward. So thank you, Sai, for this conversation, and we look forward to catching up with you soon to hear more about any recent changes that have occurred. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to tune in again soon when we will continue talking with mobility professionals like Sai. Until then, I'm Jonathan Frick at Thank you.